tuberous begonias by numerous practical growers this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by anne boulet tuberous begonias culture and management of a most promising race of plants new to american gardens by numerous practical growers the tuberous begonia opinions and experiences concerning one of the most attractive groups of plants in cultivation begonia tuberosa the first of the whole class of tuberous begonias was introduced to english gardens so far back as eighteen ten although other begonias were then known and admired by english gardeners probably this was the first truly tuberous species that was grown by them this earliest species however was not remarkable for beauty and the florists in the early part of this century could have no idea that the insignificant looking flower was the forerunner of a noble family of summer flowering plants the tastes of florists of that day were quite different to those of the present time for flowers such as arucunla the polyanthus and the tulip were most admired and cultivated these and other flowers which were distinguished by their mathematical exactness in outline and markings and arrangement were considered perfect flowers it is no wonder therefore that the new introduction a flower in every way opposed to the accepted ideal of perfection was neglected the style of flowers to which reference is here made is such as is not admired by artists of to-day and the old ideal of perfection in flowers was certainly quite different to the ideal of the present day we think they are opposed to nature and that we are in closer sympathy with her however this may be it is very remarkable that the date when the tuberous begonia first received attention from our florists almost exactly corresponds with the date of what may be described as the revolt against the old tastes for it is only during the last few years that english florists have had the tuberous begonia in hand although our brethren on the continent were at work much earlier than we were the hybrids of to-day have originated mainly from three species namely begonia boliviensis with orange-pink pendulous flowers begonia viecii with bright red flowers and begonia piercii with small yellow flowers when we consider the quality of these three species the comparatively small flowers the want of substance and the indifferent form we cannot but be struck with the extraordinary advances made in the family at present we have large flowers of almost perfect shape of splendid substance and in the most superb colors while the habit of the old forms has disappeared and in its place we have a habit stout bushy and almost perfect the begonia of to-day is therefore far in advance of the old forms and when we consider the wonderful variety of color now in existence we cannot help but wonder how such results have been obtained the white flowers are very chaste and pure while some are most delicately blushed or edged with pink the various shades of red pink magenta crimson etc are as might be expected the largest and perhaps the finest in substance while the orange bronze and salmon varieties are very good in every way the family is at present very weak in yellows the flowers being comparatively small and not bright enough in color 
but there is every promise of development in this direction i myself hope to produce as the result of crosses made during the summer of eighteen eighty five something new in this color i think there is a distinct color in the reds which may ultimately be developed and there are signs of it in some of my own hybrids namely a rich glowing scarlet most of the hybrids now in cultivation are self-colors but there will soon be many varieties which will be remarkable for the shading thus a variety i have in hand which i hope will be the progenitor of a new range of color has on a groundwork of yellowish orange colors which from salmon on the outer part of the flower intensify to almost crimson in the centre several florists have now in hand another break which may be exceedingly useful the flowers have a distinct white centre this will be an additional attraction if it can be perpetuated in the various colors for the effect produced by the bunch of golden antlers with a groundwork of waxy white may be readily imagined to be very charming another form of flower which may be ultimately produced is one with serrated petals for signs of this are not wanting and to this and other forms we may also secure spotted flowers for no one can say what result may be obtained in this remarkable family nor is it only in the flowers that remarkable advances have been made for the foliage and habit of growth has been remarkably improved the leaves are very different in the marking and all are handsome with striking venations and rich shadings in the colors the habit of the older forms was straggling and in many cases unwieldy but now the habit is stout and symmetrical so much so that staking is really unnecessary the hybrids of today are if anything hardier than the original species and the tuberous begonia is certainly hardier than any other begonia samuel ryder jr england eighteen eighty six character and culture the season of flowering is fully six months long the first blossoms appear in early spring and until late in the fall flowers are continuously produced they are of the richest colors embracing every shade of white rose pink red scarlet crimson maroon lake yellow and orange and combine the richest shades and the intermediate colors certainly a point greatly in their favor tuberous begonias are well adapted to almost every kind of culture they may be grown in pots boxes or baskets out of doors or under glass or in the open ground the thick structure of the plants enables them to withstand wet and stormy weather as well as tropical heat and drought even at this late october second eighteen ninety we have thousands of plants as plentifully covered with flowers of every shade as during the summer notwithstanding the rainstorms and cold nights to which the geraniums coleus and many varieties of summer flowering plants have succumbed another valuable feature of these begonias is that they possess the beautiful and abundant foliage which is characteristic of the family with the exception of the geranium there is no plant that can produce so gorgeous a display of rich and varied colors as the begonia when grown in masses and all who grow them will come to this conclusion only a few people as yet recognize the value of begonias as bedding out plants but their general adoption for this purpose is only a matter of time in some places they are already quite extensively used and still their availability in this direction 
is far from being fully understood. They contrast so beautifully with other plants that they will not be discarded after a fair trial is given them. When grown in masses, the different kinds can also be arranged with good effect. Begonias should be grown in loose rich soil. There is no danger of their running to leaf, even in wet and sunless weather. During weather that would ruin the looks of geraniums, they grow steadily and produce flowers at every joint, and instead of appearing battered and bruised after a storm, the plants appear actually refreshed. No insects prey upon them, so their leaves and flowers are mostly perfect, which can be said of very few plants. This fact alone greatly reduces the labor and expense of growing them. It is not near so difficult to cultivate tuberous begonias successfully, as has heretofore been supposed, and if the following instructions are followed, success is assured. If the plants are intended for pot culture, either for greenhouse, conservatory, or window, it is better to use bulbs or tubers. These should be obtained from a reliable source, say in February or April, while in a dormant state. They can now be obtained at a moderate price, but it must not be supposed that the choice varieties will be found in the cheaper collections which are offered, for as in all other classes of flowers, the choicer sorts are selected according to their merits and included in the superior and more valuable collections, and these are certainly preferable for pot culture. For early flowering, it is advisable to start the bulbs in February or March, either in small pots or shallow boxes in a greenhouse, conservatory, or in the window. The soil should be composed of loam, sharp sand, and leaf mold. The pots should not be much larger than the bulbs, and should have good drainage. The bulbs should be lightly covered, and if started in boxes, the soil should not be over two and one-half to three inches in depth. Set the bulbs the same as in pots, taking care that the drainage is perfect. They can be planted very close together. As soon as the bulbs are planted, water lightly with a sprinkler, so as to moisten the soil thoroughly and equally, and a moist but not wet condition should be maintained. The temperature in which the bulbs are started should be from 60 to 65 degrees. After growth has started, give regular but moderate ventilation and a somewhat cooler temperature, avoiding, however, all cold drafts. After leaves have formed, the plants should be carefully repotted, or if started in boxes, be carefully lifted and potted into suitable sized pots. Do not make the mistake of overpotting. The soil should be the same as that used before, except that a larger portion of loam and a little well-rotted old manure be added. Continue the treatment as above directed. Should it be desired to start the bulbs in hotbeds, which can be safely done in March or April, the same line of treatment can be pursued, avoiding, however, the steamy atmosphere which may collect in a hotbed and cause the bulbs to rot. All coddling should be carefully avoided. As soon as the roots of the plants have filled the four or five inch pot in which they are now growing, which can be easily ascertained by turning up the pots for examination, they should finally be potted into six or seven inch pots for flowering. This should be done before they have become crowded with roots. A still stronger loam or soil may now be used, and the plants potted a little more firmly than before. This will induce a firmer growth and more lasting qualities in both plant and bloom. The plants should now have all the light and air possible to promote and maintain a healthy condition, and the soil should never be allowed to get dry, though on dark and cloudy days, 
water should be judiciously given. The same temperature as heretofore may be continued. Should large specimens for exhibition be desired, then the plants may be again repotted into still larger pots, and the same potting material be used. Remove the first flower buds in order to promote a continuance of growth instead of immediate bloom. After the plants become established in their blooming pots, they may be treated to a weak liquid manure. Sheep manure soaked in water is the best. This may be applied once a week, and care should be taken not to have it too strong. For bedding out purposes, seedling plants, as well as bulbs or tubers, can be used, providing they are of a first-class strain. It is of great importance to obtain them from a reliable source. Bulbs or tubers, however, are preferred if early flowering plants are desired. Plants grown from them will bloom more abundantly in the early part of the season, since they have the strength of the already formed bulbs to start with. Such flowering plants, whether grown from seeds or from bulbs, may be planted as early as the middle of May or the beginning of June. The only preparation necessary for these plants is the same as is usually made for all other bedding plants. The best sized plants for bedding are those grown in three and one half or four inch pots. When bedding out, the earth in every pot should be thoroughly moistened by abundant watering or by dipping the pots into a bucket of water so that the plants will not suffer from drought before their roots are able to take hold of the soil in the bed. A slight shading, just enough to break the direct rays of the sun for a few days after planting, will be of material benefit to the plants, as it enables them more quickly to recover. Light canvas, branches of trees, etc., are excellent. Now all that is needed is to see that the plants never suffer for the want of water, and it may be necessary to give them an occasional watering in any dry spell which may occur during the hot summer months. Such waterings, however, should always be done in the evening. As regards the arrangement of these beautiful begonias in bedding out, the same ideas can be followed as with geraniums, coleus, or other bedding plants. Masses of solid crimson, scarlet, pink, rose, yellow, white, and the various intermediate shades can be worked out to suit the taste. If the foregoing directions on the cultivation of these most satisfactory plants are followed, the beds or groups of tuberous begonias will surpass all other bedding plants. Not only are the plants superior for bedding purposes, but for cut flowers they are as good as anything that can be had, and one never need be without flowers on the table, while having a bed of these beautiful, most satisfactory and abundantly blooming plants. The plants can be purchased as reasonably as almost any other class of bedding plants. When once obtained, the bulbs or tubers, which are produced over the roots and under each flower stalk, can be used year after year, producing stronger and more vigorous plants every successive season. The tubers or bulbs should be lifted after the first frost and stored away in the same manner as dahlias, gladiolus, or canis. H. A. Seabrecht New Rochelle, New York. Tuberous Begonias, Species and Culture. Tuberous begonias are truly gardener's plants. The race has been obtained and established by the florists within a short time. The present strains have been produced from Begonia boliviensis, Begonia piercii, Begonia vietchii, and Begonia davisi as the parent stocks, 
by hybridizing, selection, and cross-fertilization. It is doubtful if the blood of Begonia resli, Begonia weltoniensis, Begonia diversifolia, etc., enters into them, and no hybrids have been obtained with the non-tuberous varieties. The present perfection and development is largely due to Vetch, Lang, Cannell, in England, and to Van Hout and Lemoyne, with others on the continent. Tuberous begonias are certainly a charming and desirable class of plants, showing a wide variety in color, from the pure and creamy whites, through the pinks and salmons, up to the scarlets and deep crimsons. The foliage is fine, and presents good variety. The habits of growth are good, and there is comparative freedom from insects. We do not grow them so extensively as they are grown abroad, probably because they are little known, because they do not succeed in bedding out plants in our hot, sunny summer months, and because there are some difficulties in propagation and in handling during their period of rest. They seem to be best fitted for greenhouse decoration during summer and early autumn, and for growing in pots in the house and on the piazza at these seasons. If they are to be used as bedding plants, a rather shady and well-protected situation is advisable, and plenty of water must be given. The cultivation is not very difficult. Use well-drained pots, in size proportionate to the size of the tuber. The soil should be light and contain good gritty sand and plenty of well-rotted leaf mold. The manure should also be well-rotted. Pot firmly and leave room for copious watering. Start into growth during February and March for a succession. The temperature in which they are grown should be 50 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit, and if the pots are plunged in moss in bottom heat, so much the better. Water sparingly at first, but after growth begins in earnest, never let them get at all dry. Shift as the growth demands, and after each shift, keep close and a little warmer for a day or two. Liquid manure may be used carefully on well-rooted and established plants. When, at the end of the season, the leaves turn yellow and the plants show that growth is complete, withhold water gradually and pot them in winter quarters. Keep them in pots, which should be placed on their sides under the benches where there is little drip. Place them so that those ripening first can be picked out for starting early the next season. I advise propagation by seed. Like pansies, cyclamen, cinerea, and herbaceous calceolaria, the good strains from reliable growers are so well fixed that a large proportion of the seedlings will give plants of good habits, showing a wide range of color and foliage, and producing large flowers. Bud propagation is not necessary except in special cases, such as for saving seeds and for exhibition. Seeds sown in February and March, if well grown, give blooming plants the following September. Sow the seed thinly, in well-drained pans or boxes, which may be plunged in bottom heat. 60 degrees Fahrenheit is a good temperature. The soil should be light and contain plenty of sand. Leaf mold is recommended, but it should be fine and old. Bring the soil up almost level with the rim and make it pretty firm. Use no soil to cover. A light watering will be enough, but a pane of glass should be kept on the pan until the seedlings are well established. Pinch off when large enough to handle, and continue this careful treatment until the plants are large. There is always some difficulty in growing plants from seed when the seed is small and they are slow growers. The trouble comes from damping off. 
last year i tried sewing in chopped sphagnum with meagre success next spring i shall try pure cow dung from the pastures as old as possible dry and fine we succeeded admirably this summer using this for cenarius calcilaris etc the tuberous begonias can be easily propagated by cuttings but the result is often a plant which does not make buds and so cannot grow the second season this is not uncommon in plants like dahlia and salvia patens when the cut is made at the base of the nods just under the leaf and not planted too deeply a perennial plant is produced if this bud is a growing and not a blooming bud if several shoots start from the base they can be slipped off and used for cuttings with the same result these facts may account partly for the trouble in carrying the plants through the winter i have never tried leaf cuttings but a whole leaf bud and small portion of the stem will succeed b m watson jr bussy institution tuberous rooted begonias in europe at the present day the tuberous rooted begonia is receiving a large share of the attention of skillful cultivators and no plant better repays the cultivator who devotes his time to hybridization than does this one the colors of its flowers both double and single are of the most vivid scarlet beautiful pink and pure white the flowers often measuring two inches or more in diameter the individual flowers of the double varieties are often as large as the carnation and more brilliant in their color begonias are splendid plants for conservatory decoration during the summer months the plants being literally covered with blossoms the entire season it will be necessary to shade the greenhouses from the direct rays of the sun if planted in june in a sheltered place in the open ground where the plants do not get the direct rays of the sun they make a most beautiful show their bright colored flowers attracting universal attention as yet they have not been largely planted in this country but in europe they are extensively grown these begonias can be raised from seed sown in january or february on a light soil such as is used to sow fern seed on the seed and young plants will want careful watching for in the close atmosphere necessary for germination fungus is likely to appear and destroy the plants as they first come up as soon as they can be handled the young plants should be transplanted into shallow boxes of light soil that will drain rapidly shift into small pots as the seedlings require by september the plants can be laid on their sides under the bench of the greenhouses in a dry place until the bulb starts to grow which will be in february or march shake off the old soil and repot the plant should be in flower in june and will remain in flower until october when the bulb can again be dried off the bulb will last a number of years james dean bay ridge new york the culture of tuberous begonias there are few plants that have improved as much in the past few years at the hands of the hybridizer as the tuberous rooted section of the popular begonia family and fewer still that present more just claims for admiration and a more extended cultivation they have been grown in europe for several years so much so that a few prominent houses in england and elsewhere have made a specialty of them and plants are raised in large quantities for the home market as well as a large export trade 
their range of color and general usefulness have within the last few years made them favorites in this country and their cultivation is annually on the increase among this class of plants the hybridizer has achieved the utmost success the result being flowers of both double and single varieties of innumerable shades of color from pure white through rose and pink to intense crimson and fiery scarlet and from the deepest yellow to tawny brown and brilliant orange presenting in all a bewildering variety of the most beautiful tints and shades the tuberous begonias are desirable either as a summer bedding plant or for greenhouse and conservatory decoration through the summer months if intended for outdoor cultivation a position where the plants will receive partial shade from the midday sun should be selected also where they will have an abundance of moisture they succeed well in a rich loam of loose friable nature if the soil is stiff and clayey a liberal amount of leaf mold and sand should be added in the northern states it is desirable to start the tubers in pots in the greenhouse and transfer them to the beds in the open ground at the same season as all other tender bedding plants are set out we have however in this latitude obtained excellent results by planting the tubers in the beds where they are to bloom after all danger of frost is past the tubers are planted not more than three inches below the surface of the bed avoid overwatering until they have started into a vigorous growth a slight mulching of fine manure or other material to prevent the ground from becoming hard as well as to check evaporation through july and august will greatly benefit them if desired to be grown in pots for the summer decoration of the porch or conservatory the tubers may be started any time after january pots just large enough to contain the tuber are sufficient for this purpose a little mixture of fibrous loam leaf mold and sand makes an excellent compost to start them but as they advance in growth more loam should be used for the final potting taking care to secure complete drainage and never to shift into a larger size pot until the growth and vigor of the plants demand it liquid manure may be given to advantage when the plants have received their final shift and the pots become well filled with roots keep up a vigorous growth when once started never let them get a check from any cause and remove all old blooms as soon as they fade to ensure continued flowering water must be withheld when the plants cease flowering gradually at first and as they begin to turn yellow it should be withheld altogether the tubers keep well if packed in sand under a greenhouse bench if not placed too near the pipes a cellar or closet where frost does not enter will keep them equally well if by any chance the tubers become shrunken they will regain their former plumpness by placing them in a moist place for a few hours and sprinkling with tepid water after frost has destroyed the plants grown outdoors they may be taken up and dried cut away the old stems to within two inches of the tubers and after a little time these will gradually fall away when the tubers may be cleaned and stored away for future use just as is done with those grown in pots the name varieties are all perpetuated by cuttings though some growers hybridize their finest sorts and save the seed in this manner they rarely produce as fine a variety the flowers of the double varieties can be used with good effect in many floral arrangements of designs or bouquets by the aid of a wire stem 
seed sown in march will produce blooming plants by the end of july or early august the seed may be sown in an ordinary box or seed pan which should be first filled half full with some material to give plenty of drainage over which place some finely sifted soil to receive the seed scatter the seed thinly and sufficient covering will be given by simply pressing the soil down level keep in darkness by covering with glass and paper for a few days in a temperature of not less than seventy degrees as soon as the seedlings appear the covering must be removed and as soon as they have roots a quarter of an inch long transplant them into small pots of nicely prepared soil the seedlings are so small they cannot well be handled a good plan is to take a pencil as a dibber loosen the soil around them and by dipping the pencil in water the little plants will hang to it and can be placed in holes prepared for them in small pots press down gently sprinkle lightly and place in a temperature as before for a few days afterwards gradually expose them to a medium temperature where they can be shaded and kept near the glass james morton tennessee where to grow tuberous begonias the tuberous begonia should be placed among the most beautiful of plants it deserves to be grown by every lover of flowers and is worthy of the skill of the most skillful however large the collection may be monotony cannot be produced as the flowers are of so many different colors and the leaves of various forms and there is no purpose for which these begonias are unsuitable the large flowered and doubled varieties are a beautiful feature in the conservatory and it is for standing about a greenhouse and for placing in a light hallway that these are most suitable for hanging baskets and for standing in brackets the drooping varieties should be selected for bedding purposes these begonias are destined to supersede the geranium and for this purpose the small flowered varieties are most desirable for window culture tuberous begonias are without a rival and can be grown as easily as the common plants generally seen and with one half of the trouble for the corms can be dried off and stored away for the winter the dwarf varieties should be selected for this purpose every one who grows window plants should have at least a dozen tuberous begonias of different colors for ordinary purposes i consider it best to raise the plants from seed some skill is required in this method but it is much the cheapest and the plants good enough for producing cut flowers and for decoration are easily obtained the seed should always be purchased from a reliable source i used to sow the seed in pans that were well drained in fact they were more than half filled with the draining material about an inch of good sandy loam was placed over the drainage and about half an inch of leaf mold and sand was put upon the loam the leaf mold was baked before it was used the pan was placed in water for a time and then set aside to drain when the soil had become sufficiently dry the seed was scattered very thinly on the surface as the seed is exceedingly small this operation requires great care the seed was lightly pressed into the soil and the pan then covered with a piece of glass and placed in a temperature of seventy degrees the young plants were transplanted as soon as they had made a rough leaf into well-drained boxes filled with a soil composed of loam sand well-rotted manure and small pieces of charcoal i used to add leaf mold when it was at hand the tiny plants were set an inch apart and potted on as they required 
some were planted out in beds and others were grown during the summer in pots these plants produced flowers the first season name sorts were increased by cuttings or by division of the crown cuttings about three inches long were taken off close to the crown they were inserted in sand covered with a glass and given a temperature of seventy degrees the crowns were divided into two three or four pieces as soon as the young shoots could be seen and laid aside to dry for two or three days then potted in small pots and treated as above old plants were wintered in their pots the pots being laid on their sides under the stage when they began to grow in the spring they were shaken out and placed in small pots and potted on as they required until eight inch pots were reached when they became pot bound they were watered once or twice a week with clear manure water amateurs needing plants for window gardens should buy one-year-old crowns in march pot them in small pots and stand them in a warm room with a sunny window when the roots reach the sides of the pot they should be given a larger pot it is very unwise to repot a plant before the roots have penetrated the soil in which it is growing at no time during the winter should the crowns be kept in a temperature lower than forty five degrees h w smith baton rouge louisiana tuberous begonias as bedding plants our birmingham correspondent writes mr bell's note as to his success with these plants at barrencourt ireland in your last issue is identical with the experience gained in the immediate neighbourhood of birmingham by mr cooper in the pleasure grounds at highbury the residence of the right honourable joseph chamberlain m p two beds of these were bright with flowers late in october when the pelargoniums were relatively without flowers and shabby and mr cooper told me that for the future he should rely a great deal more on begonias and violas than he had hitherto done of course it is necessary to grow the plants on in a cool house slowly and get them roughly hardened before planting out and to select situations where the soil is not cold and heavy the more the beauty and usefulness of both the begonia and viola become known the more generally will they be used for summer and autumn decoration gardening world tuberous begonias just now tuberous begonias are attracting the flower loving and flower buying public to a greater extent than ever before even though the half is not known the reason however is obvious to any one acquainted with these plants and their habits a begonia is one of the most gorgeous prolific and persistent blooming plants we have it blooms from seed in four months and continues smothered with flowers for months a few remarks on growing them from seed may be in order get good fresh seed from a reliable firm do not buy it until january twentieth because you will be more likely to obtain new seed at this time than earlier sow about february fifteenth when nature is awakening for the new year sow one or two packets in a five or six inch pot fill to within half an inch of the top with good fibrous peaty soil nearly one-half sand some pulverized moss say one-eighth by bulk will help it mix all thoroughly and run through a coarse sieve if you have one scatter the seed evenly over the surface and press the surface down evenly with a small piece of wood sprinkle thoroughly with the hand sprinkler without washing and set in a warm place with a pane of glass over the pot 
the glass should be raised about an inch on one side during the day at night put it down close in the morning wipe off all moisture that collects on the glass overnight keep the soil always moist do not let it get perfectly dry for a moment two weeks after the seed comes up is the most critical time for damping or drying off when the little plants are about the size of the end of a lead pencil having two leaves and the third one just starting take the point of a stick and prick them out about half an inch apart in other pots filled with the same kind of soil after the leaves have hardened and about an inch in diameter put one pot in a three inch pot when this plant has grown so that it nearly covers the top of the pot shift it into a five inch pot if you want it to flower in that size if wanted to grow in a frame or bed outside transplant directly from the three inch pot into soil well pulverized and well manured raise the beds a little so the water will not stand around the bulbs buy your bulbs any time from february to may first for bedding plant outside about may fifteenth in beds slightly raised well manured and thoroughly pulverized the bulbs should be set about three inches deep and six inches apart if you want an early display of flowers start the bulbs in pots about april first planting from the pots about may twentieth as foliage will be a little tender the plants will soon begin to flower and will continue covered with bloom until touched by frost they can be taken up in pots before a heavy frost and will continue to bloom inside for some months the bulbs must be rested a few months each year when dug up from the beds after the frost has killed the foliage spread them out in dry boxes in a dry place cutting the stem off close to the bulbs after the ground and roots have become powder dry the bulbs should be rubbed and made perfectly clean the stem should be cleaned off close or the moisture from its decay will sometimes start the bulb to rot after the bulbs are clean store them in sawdust or dry sand in a dry cellar or any other moderately warm place the value of tuberous begonias may be seen at once not only because they yield an immense number of flowers but because they can be used for so many purposes and at any time you wish to have flowers by a little care you can have them in full glory the bulbs are very easy to keep and to grow they last a length of time and improve for many years the plants are at once showy easy of cultivation and cheap they can be gotten from most any good dealer at very moderate prices try a dozen or more of single mixed varieties first next season try some singles under color they make a beautiful contrast for bedding then further try the double varieties these are much more expensive but really not beautiful enough to be worth the higher price usually charged still some of the name varieties are wonderful to behold but these sorts cost today from fifty cents to a dollar each for specimen plants they are really worth it e v halleck long island begonia bomani this plant is remarkable on account of the manner of its growth which is far superior to that of most of the other species of begonias some of the large tubers in their native country weigh about a pound but a tuber as large as a small potato sends up a short thick trunk which breaks up into five or six short branches each of these short branches gives rise to five or six large flower stalks which grow to a height of twenty inches above the foliage before flowering 
the branches and flower stalks are fleshy and of a red-purple color the leaves are reniform and nearly symmetrical their upper side is of a deep green color but the lower side is bronze green or red each flower stalk usually carries five flowers three staminate and two pistillate although sometimes fewer are born the staminate flowers have four petals the latter being much larger than the other two this gives a very characteristic appearance their diameter is about four inches the flowers are perfectly open and the petals freely exposed the latter have the edges incised and marked the odor is very agreeable and not strong enough to be apprehensive this begonia is a plant that will give surprising results if grown with other tuberous varieties Le moine in les jardins end of tuberous begonias culture and management of a most promising race of plants new to american gardens by numerous practical growers